We hope everybody enjoyed episode 61 of the Golders podcast with former England and Premier League footballer Stephen Warnock. Now, here is a snippet of what to expect today. You know, I think every kid has some gold dust in them if you give them the opportunity. So, so my definition is actually from a player's point of view, you know, when a, you're doing a 1v1 practice and the, the player dribbles up and rainbow flicks it over the other person's head and volleys at top corner, you know, or have you been working on a long player to be a bit more confident in themselves and communicate a little bit more and, and you know, you see that grow within them um, and have had the experience of a, of a player score her first ever goal and, and run over to Gran and Grandpa and jump up in their arms, you know, that's a goal dust for me. Um, so kind of my definition of it is, can I actually just be a facilitator of gold dust? You know, it doesn't have to come from me, but I think it can 100% come from particularly the young players, as much as I work over a variety of age groups. You know, I think gold dust isn't not always from the coach, but the coach can give the platform for the kids to demonstrate it. Today, we're excited to welcome David Bird onto the podcast. David is a Scottish FA coach and tutor and is the founder of Scoreboard Soccer, a small-sided games platform designed to further enhance the learning process for children participating in sports. He shares with us the idea behind Scoreboard Soccer and his coaching journey today. Enjoy. David, welcome and thank you for coming on to the Golders podcast today. No, thanks for having me, guys. Big, big fan of the show, so I've genuinely been been really looking forward to this. Well, in that case, you'll know what the first question is going to be. So, to us, Goldust is sprinkling particles of knowledge to help people. What does Goldust mean to you? Yeah, and I've been preparing myself for that, and um, you know, listening to the show, I, I totally agree with your definition. You know, I was listening to the Craig Brown one you did recently, and, and as a Scotland fan, I was at the edge of my seat and, and taking it all in. I love the one with Steve Salas. I've heard Steve speak before um, in both episodes with Michael Beale were just a few of my, my favourites. And, you know, these guys are throwing gold dust all over the place and my, my pen's going 100 miles an hour. And for me, like, maybe a little bit of a different definition, you know, I don't think I have that. You know, I'm not one of these these guys that, you know, when, when I talk, everyone's going to listen. You know, I'm David Baird. But for, for me as a coach... I think every kid has that. You know, I think every kid has some gold dust in them if you give them the opportunity. So so my definition is actually from a player's point of view, you know, when a, you're doing a 1v1 practice and the, the player dribbles up and rainbow flicks it over the other person's head and volleys at top corner, you know, or have you been working on a long player to be a bit more confident in themselves and communicate a little bit more and, and you know, you see that grow within them um, and have had the experience of a, of a player score her first ever goal and, and run over to Gran and Grandpa and jump up in their arms, you know, that's a goal dust for me. Um, so kind of my definition of it is, can I actually just be a facilitator of gold dust? You know, it doesn't have to come from me, but I think it can 100% come from particularly the young players, as much as I work over a variety of age groups. You know, I think gold dust isn't not always from the coach, but the coach can give the platform for the kids to demonstrate it. Uh, I love that definition. So whenever you walk into a room in an official capacity that is full of other coaches, teachers, what would be your introduction? 
Um, yeah, I'll just yeah, introduce myself as you know David Baird with you know 16 years experience uh, as a as a coach and a, and a coach educator um, over a variety of different uh, you know programs, uh, age groups uh, in a couple of different countries as, as well. So it's just coming in and trying to share that experience and you know add to that experience, try and take everything I can from any any audience that I'm you know I'm interacting with. I like to think these things are kind of a uh, a two-way street so yeah 16 years of experience that I can hopefully share you know during our short discussion today and um, but you know always always looking to learn as well well you you do some stuff with the Scottish FA so you do quite a bit with them what does your role with the Scottish FA entail yeah so I started working with the Scottish FA initially as a volunteer coach on, on you know summer camps and, and some of their funded programs within schools um, so I went on this, you know, journey of um, sports coaching and sports development um, at university, uh, sorry, at college, then at university, um, then I kind of worked my way, you know, up if you want to speak, but, you know, it depends how you look at it, and I got a job abroad, and, you know, I worked in, I worked in the Middle East, and I worked in the United States, uh, and then, strangely enough, when I was home visiting my mum and dad one Christmas, I, I met a girl from Edinburgh, and and that was me moving back home to Scotland to get to get married. So you you build up a reputation. You think of being, you know, reliable and on time and open minded and putting on good sessions, engaging with kids, getting to know them um, as people, not just as players. And then all of a sudden in, in 2015, after spending, I think, maybe six years abroad, doing a variety of different things, you, you move to Edinburgh and Scotland. And, and I'm not from Edinburgh, I'm from Paisley originally. And you almost need to start again. And, and I don't always see that as a, as a bad thing. So when I moved to Edinburgh, um, you know, I've started working as a volunteer coach with uh, Sean McCauley and, and, and Keith Wright, uh, a couple of our, you know, very good coach educators in the Scottish FA, uh, just volunteering initially. I managed to get more and more, you know, some paid coaching hours and, you know, showed my passion, always asking questions. Then became a football development officer for a, a region in Scotland, uh, West Lothian. Uh, and that was, I absolutely loved every minute of that. That was just trying to obviously develop the sport. So bringing the joy of football to as many people as you can, walking football programmes, female-only programmes, coach education, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and then that, that and then progressed into my current role, uh, which is Girls and Women's Development Officer uh, for the South East Region. So that's Edinburgh, Lothian and uh, the Borders. Um, but the Squish FA is a fantastic organisation that throws you so many opportunities, you know, Although that's my day job, I've, I've had great opportunities to do online coach education, you know, shadow some very good coaches and pretty much help out wherever I, I can, you know. So, uh, no, I've been working there for a, for a number of years now and, and thoroughly enjoy it. Can't speak highly enough of their, you know, coach education pathway and these kind of things, which I'm sure won't be news to many of your listeners. I've been very fortunate enough, David, to actually read your book. Uh, you're author of a book called Scoreboard Soccer. Share with us what your book's about. Yeah, so Scoreboard Soccer, um, it really is just small-sided games that I've been using for a number of years, long before I had a, a fancy name and a fancy logo for it. You know, I've been using these for a long time, and it was actually lockdown and, and, and furlough in, in 2020 that gave me the opportunity to, you know, brand them up and maybe share them. Uh, to, to a wider audience, um, you know, and, and we can dive into this throughout our conversation, but I spoke about seeing myself as a facilitator of gold dust because the kids have it in abundance more than me and, and scoreboard soccer is probably the best method I've found um, to do that. 
So I'm a big fan of, of small-sided games, like many of your listeners will be as well. But I would encourage them maybe to try scoreboard soccer games, which are really just an intervention. So, so what I'll do is we'll be playing 3v3s, 4v4s, which I do all the time. But we'll add a visual scoreboard to the side of the pitches. So that could be that one team's of volcanoes and one team's of spaceships, and it's the classic, you know, when you score, you come over and you, you put the cone your way up to, to visually show that your team are currently winning the game or in the lead. Um, and I just find, you know, kids by nature and people that are involved in sport, you know, they are competitive. Sometimes there is challenges around engaging them. Uh, and I found this visual scoreboard really, really helps. Um, and then the other thing about it is just, you know, you can actually define what winning looks like. I think we all know working in, majority of us working in development football, the scoreline isn't the, the be-all and end-all in your small-sided games with young players. It's effort and, you know, trying to take skills from, from the, the skill practices early on the session into the games. It's, you know, trying to work on respect and teamwork and sportsmanship and resilience, all these transferable skills. So scoreboard soccer is a real basic concept with thousands of different, you know, um, adaptations to it. But, you know, I'll be saying to the players, right, we're playing 3v3. I've set up a little beat the goalie over here. And um, what have we been working on at training? Well, you know, passing, moving, scanning, communication. Okay, if I see any of that, then you come for a wee shot on the scoreboard. So it's not actually the score in the small-sided game that, that, that we're counting. Um, it's if you demonstrate positive behaviours, you get more of an opportunity to win the game. And I, I think that the response to it has been really good with the, with the young players. It's something they're really, really enjoying. Where did the inspiration for writing the book come from? It obviously has to start somewhere. And for you, where was that? Well, that's um, the, the snowball that is still building. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to work that out myself, David, uh, to be honest, because, you know, these are games I've used for five, six years um, and, and never thought too much of them, apart from the fact that my, my players really enjoy them and I'm seeing the benefit of them developing as people and players. You know, we go into lockdown, we go into furlough and I'm, I'm climbing the walls because I can't go out there and do what I love to do. I can't go out there and coach. Um, so I kind of thought, right, I'll share these games and, you know, we can use digital platforms such as Zoom and, you know, uh, I, I can say, look, these games might be a good idea for when we come out of lockdown. And that was when people started to say, oh, what do you call these games? And I'm like, I don't know. I've never really thought about it. So I had to come up with scoreboard soccer. You know, where can I access these games? I'm lucky enough I have a younger brother that's much better at technology than I, than I am. So, you know, created scoreboardsoccer.com and, and put them on there. Uh, and then it was a friend of mine that said, uh, you know, a book might be a really good uh, good place to, to go with this. Um, and, and they actually hit the nail on the head a little bit because when I first got asked to write a book, I was a bit, oh, I'm not sure, like, it kind of ties into what I was saying earlier. Who's going to read a book by David Baird? And can I not just share them out there? And I don't need to put my name on it. Whoever wants to use them can use them. And then it was actually um, something that hit home and my friend said to me, well, you're not writing it for you. You're writing it for your, your daughter. You know, you've got someone who wants to grow up. And as much as you keep giving away all your ideas and games for free, which is great, you might want to put your name on this and be a little bit proud of it. So when she grows up, she can see that this is a small thing that, that David Bell's contributed to the, to the grassroots coaching world. And I, I kind of agreed, to be honest. So um, that's why I put it in writing. And, and I must admit, it is a, a body of work that I'm, I'm very proud of. And rightly so. It would be remiss of us not to mention Kevin Keegan, uh, the two-time winner of the Ballon d'Or, former Newcastle, fallen Man City in England manager. Now, Kevin wrote the foreword for your book. How did he come across scoreboard soccer in the first instance? Um, yeah, so that's another bit of experience I can tap into. So 
Um, the motivation for the scoreboard soccer games, a lot of it stems back to my experience as a young player. Um, now, I'm fortunate enough that I came from a generation of playing football in the playground and, and I loved it. You know, I had a lot of autonomy there and ownership of the skill moves and the touches that I wanted to take and the teams I wanted to pick. You know, a lot of street football, you know, you know, playing with my friends in the in the street. But then when I went to organised football, it was very much an instruction-based approach. You know, a coach and a, an adult and someone in authority telling you to stand behind this cone, pass with this part of the foot, move to this cone, run around this pitch. And when you, you were lucky enough to get a touch of the ball, you were limited to two touches maximum. That, that's all you can do. And, you know, um, although that approach, I didn't find a lot of fun, I, I probably didn't think too much of it at the time. And when I first started coaching at 16, 17 years old, I thought that's what coaching was because you only know what you're kind of what you see. And so I thought you had to, you know, shout at young players and be over invested in things and over instruct them and, and everything had to be led by the coach. And, you know, I was lucky enough that when I was studying my, my HND in sports coaching and sports development, Kevin Keegan opened up a soccer circus um, in, uh, in Glasgow. Um, so I could apply there. So I could take some of the things I was learning in college and, and, and practically do it in soccer circus where we ran, you know, birthday parties and striker clinics and, and all these kind of fun things. And Kevin just opened my eyes to a whole other way of coaching young players. He actually described Soccer Circus in his autobiography many years before as a, a cross between football and, and Disneyland. You know, can these kids come somewhere and play football, um, have loads of fun, loads of touches, loads of hidden learning, um, and get better at the game without maybe even realising it? You know, so uh, anyone who's interested can have a Google and look at some of these Soccer Circus games, but it was kind of like a football version of mini golf. You know, you were going around the course and trying to hit the ball to knock out lights and roll the ball over lights that were popping up in the floor for as many as you could in 45 seconds. You had a, a, you know, a shooting alley where the balls would come out and you would fire them to try and knock down targets. And then the next ball would come straight back to you, kind of like a bowling alley. And it was just, it was just fantastic. And obviously I worked there for, I think, four years in the, in, in the one in Glasgow and just every day getting to work with, with, with Kevin. And um, so much of that came into to, to, to scoreboard soccer. Okay. They're different designs, but the idea of, you know, design the environment for the behaviours you want and, and let young players in particular learn by having loads of fun, loads of touches um, and all this kind of stuff. So anyway, Kevin opened up his second one in, in the Middle East in Dubai. And as I touched on earlier, that's where I went and Kevin took me. I was actually the only member of staff he took took with him over to the, the opening of the one in Dubai to do a bit of coach education and train the staff up on, on the, the kind of soccer circus concept. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of kept in touch. And, and when I started to develop these games, obviously, the first thing I wanted to do was to thank them for opening my eyes, that actually if you create a really fun environment, the kids will learn themselves. And obviously just explain the concept. And he was he was impressed and, and more than happy to provide the, the foreword for the book. Well, in terms of scoreboard soccer, so obviously you developed and came up with this concept and then wrote, wrote the book then which scoreboard soccer which we spoke about what what are the key messages that you're trying to convey with what you're doing yeah so the kind of tagline of scoreboard soccer is development through praise and i think that's it. you know you, you know developing through praise know the behaviors that you value as a coach as a club you know as a team um and then let's make sure that we're, we're true to them and actually kevin keegan's a great one to, to take parallels from because I think we all knew his values as a coach, as a manager. And it was, you know, people work hard all day to save money for tickets. 
And when they come, they don't just want to try and see you win, win football matches. They want to see you entertain. And when you know that you're underpinned by those values, then everything you design can, can be based on that. You know, Kevin spoke about when he's recruiting players that he thought more about putting a cast together than, than, than just putting a group of football players on. You know, people that are maybe a bit of, you know, mavericks or um, they have a bit of skill, they have a bit of creativity. You know, they, they maybe come from different countries, so they have different styles of play um, or they can score goals, you know, hit the back of the net, attacking football, attacking defenders. Um, so, so you know, he could design things on, on what he believed. You know, sessions were probably all based on if they score three, we'll score four you know, true to those values. And those are the values of scoreboard soccer, development through praise. Let them play the game, but praise the things that you value as a coach. Um, now, some coaches will be listening and thinking that might be move, passing, moving the ball quickly in communication. I use it often for those transferable skills of leadership and sportsmanship and resilience. Um, but yeah, my, my young players will know when, when I set up a crossbar challenge scoreboard soccer game so we're playing 4v4 the crossbar challenge at the side is is the is the scoreboard you know i'll say okay guys just a game of football but i'm going to try and catch you doing good on you go and now what happens then david is it becomes a very individualized program because if i've been working on keith to pass the ball a little bit more if he passes the ball i'm saying keith brilliant come to the crossbar challenge try and get a point on the scoreboard you know and keith's now motivated to demonstrate those behaviors again if i've been working on david to dribble the ball a little bit more. Uh, oh, yeah, David, well done for trying to take a player on, you know, come to the scoreboard. So the coaches listening will know the, the, the behaviours that they've maybe been working on with their players. And it's just about catching them doing good. And I, I can tell you from experience a second, I say, Sarah, well done for communicating. We've been talking about that. Come to the scoreboard. All your players are now trying to communicate. And I just think praise is a much stronger, you know, form of motivation than, than, than probably the... Sometimes it's the default mindset of coaches to get a group of players playing and think, well, what are they doing wrong? What do they need to improve on? What they're not like here? I just think there's a massive place for let them play and catch them doing good. You know, I've, I've said before, I worry sometimes if Messi grew up in Scotland, we'd only work on kicking his right foot and defending. You know, we'd only be blinded what players can do as opposed to what they, what they can do. Um, and one of the points I would make, and this is just me as a coach, but this is where I found real value in scoreboard soccer. Um, is I always value the effort over outcome, but particularly with young players, I don't necessarily care if the ball hits the net, if they get by the player 1v1, if they complete the pass, if they win the tackle. But if Rebecca sprints back 20 yards to try and tackle someone, I'll say, Rebecca, love that effort, come to the scoreboard. Rebecca's now motivated to keep sprinting back and the outcome will improve, or tackling will get better. If I've been working on Fraser to shoot the ball and he shoots the ball and it goes over the bar, I still might say, Fraser, brilliant, you, you lifted your head, you've seen the shot was on, you took the shot, let them know what you've praised them for, come to the scoreboard, and, and Fraser's now motivated to keep working on his shooting, and that outcome's obviously going to improve, and I'm speaking from experience here. Some of your players, you know, you might want to demonstrate a little bit of that kind of guided discovery. You bring them to the scoreboard and you ask them, what do you think I brought you to the scoreboard for? One of the ones that a lot of the players aren't sure about is actually just because they, they were maybe spreading out, you know, for the younger players. You know, or they were holding their position or they were moving away from the ball to create space. So sometimes it's um, about making players realise that you don't even need to touch the ball. You know, you can encourage others. You, you can move away to create space. You can shout, you know, player on, use your communication. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of going on tangents, David. I'm just wondering if I answered your question. But the, the key thing is the development through, uh, through praise are the kind of key outcomes. And obviously, fun. Uh, and competition. And finally... Um, 
I think football is always about winning, always about winning. Um, but we can define what winning looks like as coaches. So if you're coaching a team in the Champions League final, winning looks like winning the game. But if my under-10s are playing Keith's under-10s and they beat us 3-0, but my team pick up the water bottles, sweep the changing room, shake the referee's hand and thank the reception for the day, I would argue who the winners are there, you know? So um, when I do scoreboard soccer, I always send them to the scoreboard for goal scoring because it's such a big part of the game. But I also send them for effort and creativity and teamwork. Um, so, so the key outcomes are development through praise, effort over outcome and, and have fun. Well, when you when you look at the benefits, you've just highlighted some of those, David, from from the players' perspective. For coaches who adopt the principles and practices that you you share within your book or in your book, what are the benefits for them? Because it's an art. It's not praising for the sake of it. Is one thing actually understanding what you're praising, and then what what behaviour you're intending to reinforce is definitely a skill. Now, how do you actually, how do you observe that from a coach educational perspective, which is what you are, that's what you do for the Scottish FA, but what are the benefits for coaches who actually follow these principles for the players and equally for the game? Yeah, and I think that works on, we're all coming with varied experiences and, and probably varied motivation as well, and I think that works on a couple of levels, so um when I help, you know, volunteer coaches, maybe mums or dads who have only put their hand up to volunteer because their sons and daughters have started playing, then, you know, they they might be similar to me when I started 16 years ago that, you know, the only thing I know about coaching, as much as when, it, when I was younger, it was my coach that I used as an example, for them it might be, um, you know, coaching is very trendy now with, with Gary Neville on Monday Night Football and, and Pep Guardiola on Amazon Prime. They might see that and think that's what coaching is. And then I would wager that they'll have a couple of headaches with trying to do things with kids that they're not quite ready to work on yet or disengagement or maybe even some of the information that the, the coaches are given um, just isn't quite right yet because they've not been on their own coach education journey just yet. So for the coaches, if you're a volunteer that's, that's just starting and, and, and um, what it gives you an opportunity to do is just to facilitate football. You know, the, 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 the game can, can be really good fun for them um, and catch them doing good. And at that level, that's probably it. You know, I would I would wager, and you know, I've seen it before. I've helped many coaches as, as early as yesterday uh, to the level of scoreboard soccer, where we say, right, you've got twelve players here. Get four three v threes going. Put this scoreboard in the middle of the pitch. Let them play. Catch them doing good. You know, five minute games. Switch up the teams. Rotate the opposition. Maybe freshen up the scoreboard every now and then. Finish on some free play. Let the kids be kids. Let them do what they want. That's not a bad session for you to then you know start to maybe do some trial and error over a couple of weeks. Maybe every now and then you throw in a, a 1v1 practice or a shooting practice to give it a go. But your contingency is always just to go into games and, and, and catch them doing good. And I think for many coaches at the moment, that's maybe it. That's maybe all they need. Um, they, they, they need to understand how to set up games, facilitate football. Now, if they only did that and, and, and maybe stopped there, some of the challenges that they might have is you know, and we can come on to this in more detail later on, is, is mixed ability levels. And that's difficult for a lot of coaches. How do you facilitate mixed ability levels? Uh, maybe poor behaviour from individuals, maybe disengagement from, from other individuals that, that actually really, really aren't into it. But if you throw in that scoreboard, I've found that can take away a lot of those barriers. 
the player that's quite disengaged is actually having more fun coming to the scoreboard than the game of football and you're developing that love for football. The, the, the player who's really ripping it up just because they maybe been playing football for a little bit longer, you're kind of got a hidden way of getting them off the pitch every now and then so other people can get a touch of the ball. But then when we're talking about coaches, one of the reasons I really like doing scoreboard soccer in my capacity as a coach, let alone a coach educator, is it gives me loads of teachable moments. So the environment I've set, yes, it's good fun. Yes, it's individual development, you know, because I'll praise people lined up with, with where they are in their individual journey. It also allows me to coach the team. So David might think that he's getting praised for that shot and coming to the scoreboard. But I know I'm just momentarily taking him out of position and I'm now leaving my young players with loads of problem solving decision making. You know, how do they attack four against three, counter-attack and attacking overloads? Or how do the three, you know, defend outnumbered, delay the attack? and wait for David to come back. Um, now, I talk a lot in my book about how I'm you know, an environment-based coach and I try and set my environment for the behaviours I want. So for me and, and maybe some of the coaches listening, there's a problem and you're leaving them to go and solve it. Now, if it's four against three and all four of them you know, bomb forward, they lose the ball, the team of three win it and they pass it into the player coming back from the scoreboard and they just go and score again, there's a problem, go and solve it. I'm not going to coach that. That's why I've created this environment. I'm not going to coach that. I'm going to see if they work that out. After two or three times of the same thing, if they work it out, then in my opinion, I'm the best coach in the world without opening my mouth. You know, my environment is, is, is guided them towards the answer. But if they make the same mistake for a fourth or a fifth time, I've probably now recognised as an experienced and, and maybe a knowledgeable coach that they maybe hit their ceiling in regards to knowledge. So maybe I'll go in and say, okay, guys, what's going on here? Uh, well, when they win the ball, they're just passing it to David, who's coming back from the scoreboard. Okay, so what might you do next time? Well, I guess one of us could sit off the game, provide a little bit of balance, you know, check her shoulder, watch where that player's coming back. Um, okay, well, go and try that then. And you might need to paint that and, and do it. And I see, I see it all the time. You know, the, the, the group of three, they've got someone at the scoreboard, they dive in to try and win the ball, they just get popped off, you know, played around because they're, they're four against three, another team score. If, 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 if they problem solve it, great. If they don't, I've identified as a coach. This is how I can facilitate learning. Okay, guys, what's happening now? Oh, well, Keith's at the scoreboard, so we're a player down. Okay, so what might you do next time? Well, I guess we could get narrow, compact, behind the ball, and try and slow down the attack until, until they get back. Okay, great, let's go and try that then. So there's different levels to it, depending on where you're coming from as a coach. If you're coming in as a volunteer coach, let them play, catch them doing good. You're coming in as a coach that maybe has some knowledge to impart. I think it gives you a great opportunity uh, to do that as well. So, when it comes to actually facilitating the session, then in terms of setup and organisation, what equipment is needed to make this experience for the participants an, an enjoyable one? Uh, so, so um, for, for my starting base with the players that this is appropriate for, obviously we can, you know, the, the book gives a real deep dive into players that are maybe too young for this. You know, they're not ready for small-sided games and they need, you know, tag games and volcanoes and spaceships and traffic lights. But if your players um, or, or your listeners' players are at an age where they can play small-sided games, um, then you're, you're good to go to throw in a scoreboard every now and then because all it is is an intervention to small-sided games. So my, for the players of that age and that stage, my starting point is always the games, you know, I'll set up X amount of small-sided pitches and now I know I've got that as a contingency plan. If I try something that doesn't work, we go into 4v4s, 5v5s. We'd probably play that at some point within the session anyway. 
But then I'll just set up a scoreboard at the side of the pitch or right in the middle of the pitches. Um, and that might be as little as uh, one of the players' water bottles. That might be as little as equipment you need. That's one of the scoreboards we do. I don't know, don't ask me why the kids love that one, but we get a water bottle in the middle of the pitch. And, you know, when I say, well done, Jessica, come to the scoreboard, um, she flips a water bottle and if it, if it lands the right way up, that's one now to her team. You know, this water bottle flip challenge thing, you know, when they are successful, it's like they've won the World Cup, you know. And so your, your equipment might be as little as a, a water bottle. Um, and again, don't ask me why the kids love it, but the game's like the World Cup final because they want to do something that gets praised so they can come and flip a water bottle, you know. And then I've, I've already touched on the ones that maybe take a little bit more space and equipment. You know, if you are lucky enough to have an 11-a-side goal, for example, on the pitch, um, you can put the goalie in there and, and he or she can be the scoreboard. You can do beat the goalie. You can do crossbar challenge. Um, I've touched on volcanoes and spaceships. We, we do one where it's, for example, red team against the blue team and there's red cones and blue cones at the side of the pitch and every time you score, you, um, you you put a ball on top of your cone and it's the team that gets the most on their cones wins or you know, the progression is you can steal one from the other team's cone and put on. So it can be as little uh, equipment or, or as much equipment as you can have. You know, it can be a keepy-up challenge, you know, coming over and, you know, five or six keepy-ups is, is, a, is a point. And what that brings is as well, David, is a lot of, um, you know, hidden... As a coach, sometimes you're being quite smart. Um, so if I'm doing small-sided games and I've set up a beat the goalie, for example... And I can see that Keith is a player who's ripping it up, taking on all these players. This is a mixed ability levels. It's tough for a lot of coaches, myself included. Now, I don't see that as a bad thing. If Keith is taking on three or four players, my job as a coach is to help him take on five or six or seven. It's not to bring him down and say he must play two touches or he must pass the ball or, you know, an instruction-based coach, which is, is what I wouldn't describe myself as. But it has an issue. So when Keith dribbles by three players and hits the back of the net, I can say, I love that. He knows that's a really good thing. Come and do beat the goalie for an extra point. And the ball gets shared a wee bit, you know, with the, 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 the players on the pitch. But what I might say to Keith when, when he comes over is, Keith, keep shooting till you miss. So now a player who have kind of had a disguised method of getting off the pitch, I'm not sitting them down or I'm not limiting their touches. I'm not stifling their own creativity. If you were to watch my session from above, you've got these small-sided games going and a talented, little, a talented young player is working on his shooting practice. And once Keith misses, he gets himself back on the pitch. Now, if David is a player who's actually not getting a lot of touches in the game um, and, 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 you know, tries to make a good pass, maybe gives the ball away, I'll say, David, I love that you've tried to make that pass. Come to the beat the goalie challenge. You know, keep working hard. But I might say to David, keep shooting until you score. So that player's getting, you know, so I'm not sure if I'm painting the picture well here, but your scoreboards can be some practice as well. You know, passing a ball to try and knock over a cone, dribbling in and out of cones to put the ball in your team's scoreboard and steal it from the other team's scoreboard. All games are obviously included in the in the book and, and scoreboardsoccer.com. Uh, but I think it gives you a good environment that you can manipulate that environment. You know, if I really want to challenge Keith, I might intentionally call his three teammates to the scoreboard at the same time and leave him one against three, one against four. Because there's the problem, you know, go and solve it. There's a challenge for that particular player. The coaches listening will know, you know, what what their players what their players need. What you have, David, so so clarity here is you mentioned right at the beginning, scoreboard soccer is just a, a series of clever interventions that you're using using something where young players can associate something else outside of football, which draws attention. Mm -hmm. So that 
you know, you, you, you've mentioned spaceships. Now, for some, you start working with under 16s, 18s, whatever that may be. What type of interventions would you use for older age players? Or what, how would you title them? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, and it's probably the most common one I get after a scoreboard soccer, you know, coach education on, on Zoom or on the pitch is, you know, well, I'm working with 16s and 17s, and, you know, I'm not sure this is appropriate for them. And actually, in my experience, sometimes I find it's better. They understand it straight away. They know it's a bit daft, and, and it makes them feel like kids again, which I never think is a bad thing. So, you know, I have done spaceships and volcanoes, and I've got one that's bananas against strawberries and finding Nemo with older ones, and they're just having a laugh and a and a joke with it. So there might be a place for them when you've had a rough defeat of the weekend or it's pre-season and you want them working really hard in the small-sided games and that wee fun intervention might just give them a bit of team building as well. Um, but then I've also did scoreboard, you know, I work with a pretty, in my opinion, a pretty high-performing, you know, under-16s team as well. And our scoreboards are, they're still scoreboard soccer. We just don't call them scoreboard, I don't call them scoreboard soccer and our scoreboards get a little bit more serious. So I've did one where I've taken our corner kick taker and I've put her at the corner flag with a bag of footballs. Um, and when someone gets the scoreboard, you know, she'll deliver the cross and you'll try and finish it off. You know, some it's individual practice from my corner kick taker. I've did a scoreboard where there's loads of small-sided games going on. And if you get sent over to the scoreboard, it's a 1v1 against my centre-back. You know, and that's and if you get through the box past her, that's a point. And if you don't, you don't get the point. So I've now got a centre-back who's there getting 1v1s every, every now and then. And I can coach coach her at the scoreboard about, you know, being signed on, side on, not diving in, you know, keeping an eye on the ball, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, I've did one that's a, a line of mannequins, it's a free kick, and the players need to come over, they need to try and wrap it around the, the, the mannequins and into the top corner. And the thing is, they need to come, perform the skill quickly, under pressure, while they're tired from the small-sided games and get back on the pitch, because their team's a player down. So it's quite realistic to individual um, technical practice, because you need to do them tired and, you know, as a wee bit of pressure on trying to get a point for your team. When I first came across this, David, scoreboard soccer, I'm thinking, okay, equipment, what do I need? I'll have to go and buy myself a big scoreboard. What size are we talking about? What is it? In actual fact, it isn't. It's a series of very, very intelligent interventions. Yeah. Now, if you're working with a coach or a group of coaches that are they got limited beliefs around sharing press, how have you worked with them? How do you actually help shape or redesign their beliefs from disempowering? Because praise is a big thing. Sometimes we praise unnecessarily. Sometimes we need to allow players to sink a little bit. Let them, let them feel this discomfort. But how do you work with people that have, hey, they don't need to go out and buy this big brand, brand new scoreboard because it isn't. It's just a series of little interventions so a lot of creativity. But how do you work with coaches that have got that? I'm not into this prayers bit. How do you shape them? What experiences well, have you got that you can share with us? It, it, it's, a, it's a great question. And um, it's the development through praise comes from my belief. And I've found that children in particular, but maybe all players, uh, respond better to that. They work really, really hard because they want the praise. And listen, I still do some coaching where it is. A little bit more on the no, we really need to work on this, and you know we've, we've spoke about this, and we've did this in your player review. So, are you working on this at home? And scoreboard soccer, I guess all I'm saying is there's a place for the, the the praise aspect as well. But you can use it the opposite way, and I have seen coaches do it. It's just not my style. So 
yes, you know, if you score a goal, you can put a ball on the cone. But I've seen other coaches, you know, use it where you give the ball away, you can put a ball on the other team's cone or come and take a cone off. And I, I don't fully agree with that, but it can be used the exact opposite way. The only, the only time I've seen it used in that way that I maybe did agree with what was a young player used some derogatory language and the coach said, hold on, no, no, we, we don't use that language here. Can you come take a point off your scoreboard, actually? And that was a great visual for, because sometimes when you tell young players off, it maybe doesn't sink in, but the fact that they actually need to go and now, you know, uh, be detrimental to their teammates and let them down a wee bit, it can actually paint a picture. So it's a, it's a great picture. It's a great question, uh, Keith, but for me, it, it, it can work um, both ways. What from a player's standpoint? What are some typical challenges that you encounter when working with players for the first time who haven't experienced scoreboard soccer? Yes, another another great question, David. Um, because the tough thing for me, and I'm sure I will face a lot of challenges, is I'm really not facing many because it's all been designed to to take challenges away. I find more challenges without it. You know, it's an intervention that's been designed to, to to take away the challenges. I find sometimes when I just played 4v4 or 5v5, I've got that mixed ability level. You know, that I actually find sometimes that the, the small-sided games that I play can be a little bit counterintuitive because, oh, when they score, we're going to get the ball anyway, so we'll just let them kind of swanter past us. And then, you know, and they're actually practicing poor behaviours. So the challenges that I've seen, the, the reason scoreboard soccer has been designed is I've seen, okay, I've got loads of mixed ability levels here. I'm not sure how many players are going to show up today. Um, I've got some disengagement. I've got a wee bit of poor behaviour. Um, and it was actually designed to knock down all those challenges. And, and this is why I'm so passionate about sharing it, because I've heard the same things as a coach educator for multiple years now. You know, how do, how do I work with mixed ability levels? How do I keep players engaged? How do I keep it competitive? You know, how do I work with Keith from my shooting at the same time as I work with David on his dribbling? And this is why I've put it together. And I'm so grateful to you guys giving me this platform tonight to, to share it because I'm actually not experiencing many challenges from the from the players' side of things. The challenges from the coaching side of things, like anything that's new, you know, you need that education piece around it. And that's where the book is really crucial because I've seen I've seen coaches that, you know, Keith's played a great pass out wide, is running into the box to get on the end of the next ball. And the coach has said, right, Keith, go to the scoreboard. And he's not there, you know, to get the, the final ball. So the education piece around it, the challenge for the coaches is probably just becoming comfortable with it, understanding when to praise and, you know, when it's the right moment, giving the kids a choice. You know, I'm not saying you have to go to the scoreboard right now, but I'm saying you've did something really good there. Go and back that, back that point when you think it's the right time to go and back that point. Or don't, if you want to stay on and help your team. Then, then do that. So I'm not sure if that makes sense, but it's a big part of the book about you know when you actually um, give praise. Another thing I've seen coaches do as well is they've designed a scoreboard that's not appetising. You know, oh well done, come to the scoreboard, and they're running over a couple of hurdles and sidestepping through a couple of ladders. You know, and it's like a fitness thing. And I'm like, okay, scoreboard soccer only works if your scoreboard is a reward. The players are motivated to go there fun beat the goalie, a fun crossbar challenge, a keep you up competition. Finding Nemo is by far one of the most popular ones if any of your listeners want to check that one out. Um, and that can bring us on to the reason I don't find it so challenging so far. I'm sure I'll come across a lot of challenges from the players. It's because I give the players a voice. The best scoreboards I've seen have been designed by the kids. You know, So if they design the scoreboard 
it's going to be fun. You know, they have a better definition of fun than I do, and they're going to be motivated to, to go there. So what are the benefits that, that you've seen experienced over years of delivering scoreboard socket? Yeah, another great question, and it's it comes down to meeting the players where they are. So if they are four, five, six, seven, and they've gone through their mini kickers or footy tots, and it's a ball each, and it's spaceship tag and traffic lights and body parts, when they're transitioning into small-sided games and, and starting to get to small-sided games, the first time you play that, they might not fully grasp it, they might not fully want to play it, they might not know what way to shoot, they might not really know, you know, and, and, and if you want to meet players there, then the benefits there are, right, guys, it's, you know, a game of football, but we've got this really fun scoreboard um, if you work really hard and do your best kind of thing. We talk about the, the, the kind of social elements. If you're, if you're delivering it in a school, for example, then you're meeting players somewhere else on a different journey. And, and I've had great feedback from schools that have used scoreboard soccer because if I go out with some of my football clubs that I work closely with, Sometimes I don't need scoreboard soccer. You know, I'm not I'm not ramming this down players, uh, coaches' throats. You don't have to use it. If I go out with a group, they're quite happy to play 4v4, 5v5 with no intervention because it'll be a fairly even game. Everybody will be engaged. Everyone will work hard. Then you don't need it. But that's a football club where everyone likes football and wants to be there. When you go and deliver in a school, not everyone likes football when they have to be there. So it's very, very different. Um, so that's where the scoreboard can really come in um, as that kind of fun thing for the for the ones that maybe don't quite like football yet, but the fun, you know, throw the beanbag through the hoop challenge or, or score in the basketball net is the thing. And I've had some really nice um, feedback in schools because we've been doing scoreboard soccer and I've praised a bit of resilience and they've said that's really good because that's the stuff we've been working on with them in the classroom, you know, and that's... Um, you know, these guys, and this is almost a direct quote, you know, this class is going to transition to high school after the summer and the, the, the resilience and confidence is, is something they really, really need. So I've been delivering scoreboard soccer and the teachers actually said to me, yeah, if you can keep highlighting that and praising that, that would be that would be fantastic. Um, you know, there's loads of coachable moments as well. If, if a player trips up a player by accident, you know, guy, hold on, what could you have said to get sent to the scoreboard? I could have said, sorry, I could have helped them up, showed a little bit of respect. Yeah, we, we, we go to the scoreboard there. And uh, we talk about developing things like leadership as well. So, and, and I might go on a, a, a little bit deeper than I maybe would have wanted to here because at baseline, I would encourage your coaches to get familiar with scoreboard soccer in its simplest form. But I'm now at the stage having delivered it for so long, I'm thinking, well, who am I to define praise? You know, can I actually make David the captain of one team and Keith the captain of all team and say, right, you guys, you know, send them to the scoreboard. And that was a feedback I actually had from a parent who phoned me up because, um, you know, their, their son had been praised by one of their peers. And I would imagine as a 10-year-old boy, there's not many better feelings than someone in the other team saying, what a pass that was, David, by the way, you go to the scoreboard, you know? So we can actually develop, you know, young leaders within the, 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 the session as well. The other thing that I've tried as well is actually to say that anyone can, can define praise. And that was brilliant for conflict management and defending yourself. Because players were trying to send themselves to the scoreboard by their own merit. And then other players were saying, what are you going over for? That wasn't that good and you shouldn't be going over. And they're trying to get a wee bit of, you know, personality and character about them. Maybe some of the stuff that, you know, we would have got on the on the street. Um, so, yeah, lo loads of benefits. Uh, meeting the players where they are, delivering it in a school would be very different to delivering it in a, in a high-performance team where when you're actually using it just to work on those overloads and underloads and, and transitions and recovery runs.
kind of touched on it, I was just about to ask, can the concepts of scoreboard soccer be used across varying spectrums of education? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I actually delivered in a university recently um, for sports coaching and sports development students. And, uh, and, and when I was showing them this thing, one of the lecturers came and said, this really ties in with something we're doing in the, in the, in the lecture hall around, God, it's going to escape me because it was a very fancy uh, theory from, from someone with a long name, uh, operants constraints theory or something. Someone's going to pick up on how wrong I am there. But um, I was like, yeah, you know, great development through praise. I don't think it's anything new. I think it's just taking it into into a football uh, context. Um, and I, I think we have a massive responsibility, particularly as, you know, club grassroots coaches. If we see these young players and these young people two or three times a week, potentially over the next couple of years, what a duty of care football has in society to not just teach the player, but teach the person as well. You know, we, we know the issues in society around homophobia, Black Lives Matter, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we should make sure that our session plan doesn't just have the words passing, dribbling and shooting on it, but it has, you know, teamwork and respect and a couple of things we've touched on, uh, we've, we've touched on already, you know, sending them to the scoreboard for these kind of things. And, you know, I know my limitations as a coach, you know, I'm not going to develop, the, I don't think I would develop the next Leo Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. I'm sure we would all love to do that. But I think often about, you know, do I want to develop someone that would want to sit next to in an office in 10 years? You know, I don't want to sit next to this person. And I think that's something to be to be really, really proud of if you, if you can. What about other sports? What about disabilities? Can it be actually adopted? Can the principles be adopted across different disabilities? Yeah, and that's um, that's a couple of areas that, you know, if, if it's not football, then I, I don't know much else outside of football, you know, you can... Um, you, you can ask me about anything that's happening in the real world and I, and I might really, really struggle. I'm a wee bit, you know, tunnel vision when it comes to that, but that's something that really caught me off when I started to share the ideas on social media in particular. Um, the sports I've seen it quite prevalent in is, is hockey. It's, it's funny you mentioned hockey, Keith. I've seen a lot of hockey coaches say that, you know, this is really transferable. We do loads of small-sided games and, and, and we'll use some of your scoreboards and we'll design some of the hockey scoreboards. And I've, you know, networked and spoke to quite a lot of hockey coaches. Obviously, they've taken the scoreboard soccer idea and I'm trying to take a little bit from them as well. Um, Gaelic football as well seems to be one just on social media that, that, that they seem to be able to kind of lift and lay it for them. Uh, handball uh, as well. So, yeah, any sport that you can play small-sided games, I, I don't see why you wouldn't put in a, a scoreboard to increase engagement and, and challenges as well. Obviously, you need to adapt to the picture around you. If you have a player off the pitch, how do you deal with that? Now, it might be that the player off the pitch, you start the ball with the other team. What I do quite a lot is I start the ball with the, the team that's lost the player, who scored a goal, for example, so we can start to get underloads in attack as well. I think we really, really need 1v3s and 2v4s and players that can go take on a couple, a couple of players. So anyway, yeah, to answer your question, I've seen it used in a lot of different sports. Um, yeah, disability as well. And walking football, funnily enough, you know, a couple of areas I never considered it in. Uh, you know, I got a nice tweet from a walking football programme saying, the thing about walking football is we meet every week and we just play fives or we just play sevens. You know, young young kids can, you can facilitate great shooting drills and great passing drills, but this session was actually maybe just getting a wee bit monotonous because all they did was play sevens a week and, 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 you know, walking around. Now walking football, you know, obviously with all due respect, it's brilliant, it's, it's fantastic. But this particular group needed something a bit fun. And, they, you know, I've got a great clip of some walking footballers using it. And that was brilliant. 
and disability football as well. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that's anything that I have, you know, too much knowledge in. Um, but it was actually a, a group that provided football for uh, children with autism said that it really, really worked for their group because one of the issues they have when it's, um, you know, just counting scores and, and, and keeping the scores organically, uh, there can be a lot of conflict between kids. You know, what was a goal, what wasn't a goal, that went out and that's our ball. And apparently for this particular group, the scoreboard just gave a really good element of fairness across it. Uh, and they, they understood the parameters and they were quite happy to, pay, uh, to, to, to play. And that's not just for, you know, children with autism. I find that with, with, with children that I work with across the board, they like the element of fairness. There's this visual scoreboard. These are the parameters. Let's go and play and have fun. Well, David, final question for you. If you had to write down a list that would transform coach and play development, what would be on it? Well, really good question. Um, you might need to get me on for another hour on, on this one. Um, but I'm not sure. I've not actually thought about it too much, to be honest. Um, I think for coach education and development, I think we maybe. This is all just opinions, isn't it? You know, I've maybe changed the terminology because I don't really see it as coach development, it's player development. I find sometimes when I'm doing coach education, again, really guilty of this myself, it can be quite about us. You know, the amount of times I'll deliver a level one course and the first question I'll get is, when's the level two? And you're like, no, hold on, you've not taken any of this yet and delivered it with the kids. You know, it's not about us and how much coach education we get. It's about what we can take back to the kids. So, uh, you know, maybe player development, um, maybe becoming a lot more flexible with things like game formats because, you know, I've said it before, 7v7, for example, is designed for, for children that have, you know, played many kickers, 4v4, 5v5, and now they're ready for 7v7. But this sport is brilliant and it engages people every single day. Every time there's a, a World Cup, more people come into it. So just because your age says you play 7v7 doesn't necessarily mean you're ready for it. So I think we need to get a bit more flexible with, with playing formats. I think that needs to work. Well, you're, you're going to put me on a tangent here as well, David. But I think that needs to work the other way around as well. You know, people thinking, oh, they're not ready for 7v7. We should be doing 4v4 and 5v5. Don't see anything wrong with throwing in an 11v11 game every now and then. And I might be wrong. There might be a health and safety element there. I, I don't know. But I don't think there's anything wrong with young players every now and then putting on a strip, playing 11v11 and pretending to be their idols and having a bit of fun, passing over longer distances. Because if we're going to develop the next Leo Messi, taking on three players and scoring isn't enough. Every now and then that young player needs seven or eight players to come up against, if that kind of makes sense. I know it's a wee bit pie-in-the-sky thinking, but showing up and saying, what do you want to do today? What do you want to play? You know, do you want to play fours, fives? Should we mix in the teams, get a game of 11s? I think a lot of our stuff needs to be driven by the players. Um, I think we need to invest more in pathways for... You know, we've got coach education, player education. I think we need to do quite a bit on supporters education and maybe line up all the terminology. I'm talking about parents and carers, carers there. You know, line it all up together because, you know, a lot of a lot of people are doing great work in coach education and player education. And I do a lot of work with players and coaches around effort over outcome. You know, praise the process. As long as they're working hard, they'll get better. Don't worry about outcomes at young players. We don't keep scores. We don't have league tables. Doesn't matter if they give the ball away, effort, effort, effort. And then parents and guardians can be quite outcome driven, can't they? You know, I bang all those drums and then they get in the car after a game and they get asked two questions. Did you win? No. Did you score? No. So someone who's a young player who's investing in effort, because that's what the coach 
is uh, is talking about, it can be very quickly shattered by a a, a parent or a carer that's outcome driven. Um, so yeah, there's 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 a couple of things I think, particularly giving uh, young people a voice because it's it's their game and it's evolving all the time. I think particularly giving them a voice and hearing what they want to do and whatever they want to do is is right. Well, you mentioned about formats, David. Anything with it which is an healthy diet and it's balanced rather mm. than actually having structure around it because it isn't. It's no one's ball. It's it's our ball. Mm. We're sharing it and it, it doesn't come down to any one way in doing certain things. There are ways. Mm. You've shared with us scoreboard soccer, which is a series of interventions I think it's very, very creative of you to be able to do that, to be able to provide information that helps players for the greater good of the game mm. is, is wonderful. You've also, shared, you've also shared a wealth of knowledge and balanced view about the final question, which David had asked around, what's your list around coach education, player development? Well, you've shared with us that knowledge of understanding about what the game is. So it's not you going out on a whim. You share depth around it it's not scoreboard soccer is the way it's airway mm -hmm. and you've shared with us you know quite openly around your views around it and why not it's nobody's game this so on behalf of david and myself and the listeners we got to thank you ever so much for being with us today good luck with scoreboard soccer if anyone wanted to reach out to you or contact you how are you how can they access you um, yes, yeah, so scoreboardsoccer.com is, is probably the main way to access the scoreboard games, but then the rest of my content's on there as well. Scoreboard Soccer is one environment that, that I use a lot with my young players. It's not the only one that I use. Um, I'm pretty active on social media, at Coach David Baird on, on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, I'll just take the opportunity as well to thank you guys for having me on and, and thank the listeners. And, and hopefully they'll go on a journey as coaches that, They'll check out scoreboardsoccer.com, use some of my tried and tested scoreboards, come up with some of their own scoreboards, and then hopefully as we as we rounded off quite nicely at the end there, engage the young people or the players that you're working with to design some of their own scoreboards, because I think you've put it spot on, Keith, you know, it's nobody's ball. Super. Thanks for tuning in to the Golders podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Your continued support is highly appreciated and it means so much to us knowing that the content that's being produced is providing value in people's lives. If you would like to know more or get more information from us, you can follow us on Twitter at Gold Dust Podcast, and also you can visit our website at thegolddustcoach.com. Thank you everybody.